Hi, I'm Dr. Shannon Deer. And I'm Cheryl Miller. Together, we wrote Business Doing Good, Engaging Women and Elevating Communities. It has six principles for businesses looking to hire women overcomers, women who have overcome challenging paths of incarceration, addiction, poverty, and engagement in the sex trade. You can order today on Amazon and it'll release on August 15th. So we're talking about our book, Business Doing Good, Engaging Women, and Elevating Communities. And we provide six principles for businesses to hire women overcomers, which are women who have overcome incarceration, addiction, poverty, and engagement in the sex trade. And specifically, one of the things that we often hear from nonprofit organizations and from businesses is that they're not sure that a woman overcoming a challenging past is ready to be in the workforce or even to receive job skills training or anything like that. So what are your thoughts on that? (laughs) Well, I understand where they're coming from because there is a significant risk. If you've been in crack addiction or heroin addiction for 20 years, you know, six months later, are you really capable of making those kinds of significant strides. And so I understand completely where it comes from. It's kind of, it's almost illogical that that would be the way that it is. But we found out that that's not necessarily the case. And the way that we structured the program that we had, we realized the earlier we allowed women into leadership opportunities, the better off it was going to be for them. So they could be, you know, two or three weeks out of prison or two or three weeks out of, you know, out of rehab and be doing some kind of leadership within the organization. And what that did, it it didn't diminish or take away from the hard work that still needed to be done for recovery, for reentry, you know, overcoming trauma, the counseling, all of that still needs to be done. And so it can be going on this track over here. But when when we began to tap into the women's assets, when we began to help them translate their skills in a productive way, and when we began to see them have immediate leadership opportunities, what we realized was they had these aha moments within the first several weeks. And they were like, wow, I could actually do this. I could actually do more than I was capable of. You know, one of the principles is experiential learning. So they would be trying to figure something out. And when they figured it out on their own by themselves, they realized, wow, I am a lot smarter than I give myself credit for. And so that becomes a huge driver to continue on the path of all these other things that they need to do, whether it's counseling or, you know, or entering into recovery or whatever. But having that motivation really changes everything. We came up with this concept. I call it the continuum of transformation because we knew it was working and we knew we were seeing women make dramatic changes, but we were trying to figure out what exactly are we looking at here? How do we articulate what we're seeing? Because if we can repeat it and explain it, then we can share it with other people because we we knew it was working. And so we came up with this idea of this continuum of transformation where, you know, people's lives kind of spin out of control and they hit that rock bottom and that place of chaos or, or crisis. And so that's kind of where the women who came to us would start out. And when you're in that place, there really is that moment of, okay, what am I even supposed to do here? Because every my world is just completely upside down. But it doesn't stay that way for very long. If you implement the right kind of programming and you put you know structure in place and rules in place and order in place, it can kind of give them footing to move to the next phase, which is more of a survival mode. We're, we're not that far removed from the crisis. We're not where we want to be yet, but there's a little bit more happening. And then from that survival mode, you really begin to look at, okay, what are the next steps? And have, that, have the women exploring, what are the next steps? What are the things that I want to do? What am I capable of? And that can happen within the first two or three weeks of entering into a program. And so when you, when you start seeing that 
very shortly, it really becomes the driver to move towards the next phase, which is stability. It's the, you know, getting up in the morning, going to work, coming home, taking care of your kids, paying the bills, all that kind of stuff. And that's where about, you know, probably 75% of our society lives is in that place of stability, just doing what needs to be done every day. And if that's all of the women ever accomplished, we would be excited. I mean, you know, that's amazing. That's where we are. That's where we want them to be. But because of these principles, we saw that they would get to that place and they could maintain it forever. But they also knew that if they had accomplished what they had accomplished at this point, what else could they do? And so they started striving for things more significant, like master's degree and, you know, getting a, becoming a licensed counselor and launching their own businesses. And so that final phase, we call it dynamic, when they're really going into the fullness of who they were created to be. Most organizations, businesses would think the place that you would want to hire women would be when they're getting close to that stability phase. You know, I'm going to give them a job that will push them, that will take them all the work that they've done and push them over the edge and move them into stability finally at the last minute. And nonprofits as well. We're going to work with them for months and then push them into the workforce. But what we found is if you start like just a couple of days past that survival mode, just shortly out of crisis, it really begins to cement the feet to the ground to keep going the journey the rest of the way. One of the things that I want to mention about that continuum of transformation, because that's a linear process mm-hmm. where there's, you know, and that's pretty much natural that, it, that they're going to pass through those phases and it can go the other way too. You know, they can be in stability and have a crisis, uh, you know, something happen, you know, a wreck or sickness and they could be back in a crisis mode, but it's a linear process. And, but we realized there was two things happening simultaneously. The women were making this journey where they were going through this transformation to these different phases. But at the same time, they were we were seeing different behaviors. So just for example, somebody who's been incarcerated multiple times has the thinking patterns of someone who's been in prison. Someone who has been addicted to crack for 20 years has the mindset of addiction. And just because they decide to change their life doesn't mean that day all those behaviors go away. So what we were seeing at the same time was this cycling in and out of positive and negative behaviors. And what we would what we would look at it when we were engaging with the women is, okay, what is happening in this cycle? Are the relapse episodes or whatever you want to call them, are they becoming less severe each time or are they further apart in frequency? Or even if it is choices that are being made that are happening, you know, off and on, are they still moving forward on that linear process? Because those become the cues as to really to be able to help the women navigate where they are, say, okay, you're making great strides and you're going this direction, but you might want to evaluate this particular choice you just made. That kind of came from your old mindset. What do you think about that? And so they have the opportunities to redirect that. And so there's these two things happen simultaneously. And sometimes people get frustrated with women who are trying to, make these significant changes, it's like, you know, we're talking about the dramatic things that are happening, but I don't want to diminish the seriously hard work it takes to do that. It can be gut-wrenching when you're going through it. And sometimes outsiders are like, well, they're making a change. They've had this opportunity. They're getting a chance. And then they made this choice and they're just blowing it. How could they do that? And I I would be like, well, you make bad choices all the time. You do the same thing. Think of the last time you decided you were going to eat healthy. How many, how did you, how long, how many times did you just stick with it and you never relapsed and went back and had that donut? 
you know, but we're going to hold it against this woman because she's making a choice of a habit that she's had for 20 years. We don't want that choice to be there, but we also need to give them some interaction, some direction to say, is that really where you want to be? Is that really what you want to be doing? And that kind of thing. And so it's important to recognize that two things are happening simultaneously. They're in this linear journey of transformation. At the same time, they're cycling in and out of behavior. So what works and doesn't work, what's good and what's not effective and what's not productive. Yeah. And learning from that experience, right? right? And and that's where even, like we said, that working in that process, being employed through that process in the workforce or in a social enterprise can be important because you're learning those good behaviors in the workplace and those bad behaviors in the workplace too. Right. And learning through that process. And so that's where the principles in the book can be really helpful for employers who are thinking, you, we've talked to some employers who will say things like, I'm not sure I want to take a risk on, or or I do want to take a risk on women overcomers. I'm like, it's not a risk. <laughs> or it's at least a calculated risk, right? right? There, you know, there's risk with hiring any employee. Right. I wish that we were all 100% successful in our hiring rates and we're not. And done right with the right setup and using the principles in the book, employers can make this a very low risk endeavor that's going to really pay off. But there is that piece of I really like what you said with the mindset. One of the findings in the study that I did was about the lifestyle mindset. So the lifestyle specifically being engaging in the sex trade. And the lifestyle mindset was difficult for women to overcome because it was a way of thinking. And they were often surprised by when they later, um, as they move through that chaos phase, they were surprised by their way of thinking when they were in the lifestyle. But it still was the way they were thinking because they had done that for so long that it did take some time to recover in a lot of different ways. And again, that's why we really strongly recommend the three-way partnership of the woman, the nonprofit, and the business because we do know how important it is for women to have that support as they're moving through the workforce, to have someone who's helping them with the mindset piece, who's um, encouraging counseling, who's helping with addiction recovery. Those things are all really important. The housing piece, right? Making sure they have housing and transportation. Those things are really important that are not necessarily the responsibility of a company hiring right. the women overcomers, but that the nonprofit can really help with. But that three-way partnership really provides the full necessary support for that rapid transformation that that you were able to see for women. Absolutely. And so and it also provides the vehicle for employees, a pipeline for employees mm-hmm. into corporations. If Absolutely. that partnership is in place and that business knows I'm partnering with this, these particular nonprofits, they always know that they have a place to go to hire new employees. Right. And so it, it, to me, it's such a beautiful situation. And I want to reiterate too, when, you know, when we're talking about programming and nonprofits, I'm not saying, we're not saying that we don't want to provide all those services of counseling oh, yes. and, and, you know, and the support and transportation, all of that has to be in place. They're critical. Those are critical needs that need They're to be non-negotiable. met. Right. They're non-negotiables. They have to be there. All we're saying is at the same time, implement these principles quickly so that the women begin to recognize, oh my gosh, I can actually do this. Right. And one of the things that you have said in the past is one of the business owners said that was working with y'all, partnering with your organization said, oh, but the women are so fragile. I don't know if they can start businesses because they're so fragile. And you were like, yeah, they are. And that at, at first, yeah. and that's oftentimes can be a mentality of people providing support to women overcoming challenging passes. They're right. so fragile. We have to take care of them. And you do you have to take care of them, but they are not fragile. They're overcomers. Right, exactly. And when we were having that conversation, it was right when we were talking about doing micro lending for women to launch businesses. And the statistics are there that, you know, 
it's very hard to start a business and keep it open. And, you know, with the fragility and what if they fail again? And, and like you said, I thought, oh, yeah. And then I was like, wait, what am I thinking? These women are not fragile. Now, they have issues that they need to address. And there are places in them when they're deeply wounded and they feel that vulnerability from them. But these are tough ladies. I mean, I would consider myself a very tough woman. The stuff that I've had to do to overcome, it wasn't easy. And so there's a lot of hard work. And I was like, no, 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 no. You don't understand. They have what it takes to make successful businesses. And of the businesses we launched, all of them are still in business. It's amazing. Because they had the because they have the drive. If you can walk five miles across town in the middle of the summer to buy some dope, you have the skills that it takes to make your business successful. You're gonna do whatever it takes to make your business successful. And they have. And it's it's remarkable. And they're the strongest women that I've ever met. Yeah, me too. Thank you so much for tuning in to Business Doing Good, engaging women and elevating communities with Dr. Shannon Deere and Cheryl Miller. If you would like to pre-order the book that comes out on August 15th or get in touch with Shannon and Cheryl about training, speaking, or consulting services, search businessdoinggood.org. You can also find it in the description. Thank you.